the VCA Voice podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marie Curl. Our goal with the VCA Voice is to showcase how VCA Animal Hospitals is taking care of the future of veterinary medicine. We'll bring our purpose to life through meaningful conversations about care, our culture, and the communities we serve. On today's episode, I'm happy to welcome Jose Limon. Jose is the hospital administrator for VCA West Coast Specialty and Emergency Animal Hospital in Fountain Valley, California. Jose is also an Army Reservist with the rank of Chief Warrant Officer 3. Welcome, Jose. How are you? I'm doing well, Marie. Thank you very much for asking. Happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much for joining and thank you so much for your service. I'm excited to hear about your journey and where you've been and how those two worlds intersect. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your journey in veterinary medicine and with VCA? Sure. Uh, So I started with VCA uh, back in 1990 when there were just three hospitals. Wow. Uh, Ironically, I was working at a little burger stand maybe a block or so away, and I would see this one guy come into the burger joint to get lunch. I just thought it was so cool. I'm like, I've always thought I wanted to work with animals. And one day I just built up the courage and I asked him, hey, what does it take? to go over there and work. And he said, they're hiring now, so go. (laughs) So I went, introduced myself, Uh and I must have said the right things, and I was offered a job. Excellent. So what was your first role when you started? And you know, 1990 has been a long time, so I'm sure that you've progressed through a number of different roles. So share a little bit of that with me. I went in uh, as a position, they, they were needing help with what they called running. So you you would run a patient to the client, you would run a patient from the client to the treatment area. So mm-hmm. they called it a runner. I ran for this, I ran for that. I, I was just moving things around the hospital, whether it was assisting with patient movement or assisting with equipment movement or what have you. And it was just about a four to five hour a day type of a position. Uh-huh. I am thinking that I must have shown that I was interested because I kept being offered more hours, and that led to me showing interest in patient restraining. So I was shown how to do patient restraining. I kept adding more and more responsibilities to where I then uh, the position of runner was no longer what I was holding. Then I became, back then, what they called the veterinary assistant. Mm -hmm. And I was assisting uh, one of the technicians and the ER doctors. And that's where the journey started. So it it started in 1990. I want to say about every six to seven months, I was adding more responsibilities and kept uh, adding more roles. And that has led you to a hospital administrator position. And your hospital is a very large and busy specialty hospital. Can you share with me what your current role involves? So currently here at at West Coast, uh, I do hospital administrator. And I think also having the background of working with equipment and such. So I, I also help with diagnosing of major equipment that supports hospital functions. I like to identify sort of areas of friction within the hospital, Mm -hmm. what's keeping us from doing certain things and see if there's a quick solution. For example, uh, we were noticing that we were having issues with oxygen supply within the hospital. Uh, Just folks not feeling comfortable operating the equipment that feeds the hospital's oxygen supply. Right. You and I both know that without oxygen, it's just going to be a pretty building. So we need oxygen flow consistently. Oh, yeah. And critically important, for especially for a specialty hospital. And, and I, I, I try to explain that to the team, saying without oxygen, you know, you're going to be severely limited. Uh, but, but folks, it just it wasn't their area of interest, the equipment, not the oxygen supply. Everybody agreed that we needed oxygen. It was the equipment and how to get it there and keep it running. Right. 
So I went to other industries or other, other hospitals, not veterinary. I went to the human hospitals and I told them what the issue was. And I said, how are you guys solving this? And they said, we have what they call a, a bulk system. So they have this giant tank outside that supplies oxygen. I said, well, how do we get that here? And so I tend to dabble in projects like that. And to make okay. a very long story short, it took about a year, but we now have a micro bulk in this hospital. All of our oxygen supplies issues are now gone. There are no more alarms ringing. There are no more, hey, we're short. There's just none of that. Uh, so I think it's improved overall. It's improved the quality of care that we provide here because we're not concerned with the issue of oxygen. It's improved the overall experience for the associate because they're not concerned about, is this pump going to work or is there enough pressure? That in itself lends to, well, patient care is great. Employees are great. The hospital is going to be great. So the clients are getting an overall better experience. Uh, so I, I like to know how things operate. Uh, I, I like I like to get a walk through the hospital and, and I'll ask the vendors, tell me how this works. Tell me how I'm going to know when something isn't working. So that that's not necessarily part of, of I think, the, the typical hospital administrator role, but I, I do that. From the hospital administrator role, I, I think my position is that of support. I support the team and mm-hmm. what they need. Like I tell them, I don't need for you to worry about the cost of equipment or what have you. I need for you to tell me what you need to provide patient care client service. Let me worry about that. I will talk to my superiors about getting the best deal, things like that. So I provide support throughout the hospital. That's a wonderful story. And I love the fact that you highlighted a few points in there. One is that when you're working with medical people like me, they know something doesn't work, but have no idea how do you go about troubleshooting and fixing it. A lot of the equipment that we use is really identical to what's in human health care at the level of specialty and emergency care that goes on in our specialty hospitals. So having that as a resource was great. And being in that large and busy of a hospital, it's really critically important to have someone like yourself who will take the responsibility to get those things done. I think of a hospital administrator role more being a personnel support role, but both are really critically important. And, and that happens as well. Uh, but I also, I see my role as I, I also try to help people develop themselves. Uh, so we have lots of junior managers and I try to get them to get more comfortable in areas that they're not comfortable in. And what I tell them is this is something that came to me from the training that I received in the military is whatever it is that you feel uncomfortable doing, let's get you comfortable. So who are the members of your hospital leadership team and how do you partner together to make your hospital successful? I work very closely with the medical director, Dr. Walters. Uh, He and I, we meet once, twice a day, just kind of getting the pulse of the hospital. Uh, Everything that that involves everything with the hospital is discussed. He and I discuss it. We also work with Leanne Palm, the regional vice president. But here, day-to-day, Kelly Butler, who's the office manager, she oversees Mm -hmm. a big chunk of the finances, the day-to-day portion of the finances, and work closely with her assistant managers, Megan Martinez and Katie Donnelly. On the technical side, we have three technician managers. We have Esmeralda Lario, and then we have Maria Felix and Stacy Polly. They've all been with the company for quite a while. They all know VCA very well. I believe that, and I tell them, you are here to run the hospitals day to day. I'm here to support you with that. Let me know where you need help, but I need for you to feel comfortable making decisions. And I think that's one of the areas where some folks may struggle is am I, am I making the wrong decision? And I said, we have to make a decision, make it. And if it's the right one, great, let's continue. If it's one that maybe we shouldn't make, then let's learn from it and let's correct it. Uh, but we work closely that we, we We talk, we meet once a week at the very minimum, but we also have meetings throughout the day. 
So what are the best parts of your role and, and what are a few of the bigger challenges that you face? I think the bigger challenges right now would be, I think, I think it's overall, it's not just isolated here, is the, the current level of staffing. Right. Telling folks it's not that we're not looking at that is it's just as a challenge, not just in this field, but it's throughout. I mean, even going to the military, they're having their own issues. Mm-hmm. And so trying to attract the right individual is is important to us. So sometimes we may have to say, you know, thank you, but no thank you. We're mm-hmm. going to pass. And and it's hard to do that because we know we, we may need that person. But you want to introduce the right person. Ultimately, it's about being happy at work, I believe. I, I really enjoy seeing people grow. Like I tell folks, I am not here to develop you. I'm here to help you develop yourself. How mm-hmm. can I help you do that? And, and I, I like to see when the light clicks, it's like, oh, I got it. I see why you're saying this. And I said, okay, good. Now you understand. So that is personal satisfaction for me. Yeah, that growth is important. I'm really excited about the career development program that we've just launched for the technicians and assistants within VCA as a part of that. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think folks are, are looking for growth, right? And when I chat with the team here, what I keep hearing consistently is the growth part is I, I understand what I'm doing here, but what else? What else do I get out of this? Why am I continuously coming to work? So the idea, why do we come to work? Uh, it's not just about the money. There, there's more to it. And that's way beyond my level of understanding. Mm-hmm. I like to read about that is why is it that people continue to come to work and how can we help them have a better time while they're at talk a little bit about your military service now, because in addition to serving your hospital, you also are active in military service right now. So tell me about how your service started. Well, um, yeah, I was on the 10 freeway going to West. Back then I was working at the West LA Animal Hospital uh-huh. during the September 11th attacks. Okay. And I got upset. And so I remember driving to the hospital. Everybody's glued to the TVs. We're watching the events unfold. I told the medical director, I said, I'm going to join the Army. And I said, I, I got to do something. Yeah. A year later, I was offered a position within the Army for what they call warrant officer flight training. Mm-hmm. It's an Army-specific position where what they call military occupational specialty or MOS is going to be flying. And so I became a professional pilot for the Army. Wow. Okay. I wasn't uh, there to lead people per se. I was there to be what they call a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. My area of expertise was the Blackhawk, and I was to know anything and everything about that aircraft to be able to utilize it. I would then provide assistance to the leadership to say, well, what do you need this aircraft to do? I can tell you what it can do. So their job wasn't really to worry about, you know, every little nook and cranny about the aircraft. That was for me to worry about. They would need to tell me, I'm go- I want to put five Blackhawks here. Can you do it? And then I would go tell them, yes, we can or no, we cannot. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where it started. It, it started after the September 11th attacks here. I never thought I was going to make a career out of it. I figured I was going to go do my time and then leave. So for my particular expertise area, I had to give the Army six years after flight training. So I did just shy of eight years. Okay. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I supported the 1st Cavalry Division out of Fort Hood, Texas, in Iraq. So I did two rotations with them. And then my last two years of active duty, I was supporting the Military District of Washington. And so I supported the Army's function in our capital. And then I left active duty, and I missed it. And I went to the National Guard for about a year or so. Then I left that because at this point, I was no longer with VCA. We're now talking about 2012, 2013, uh-huh. that range. 
I was uh, working uh, in Louisiana. Then I was living in California, but working in Louisiana. Okay. Yeah, so I was I was doing offshore oil and gas support. Uh-huh. I was flying people to the you know the oil rigs and to the ships and stuff over there. But I missed the army flying, so I, I joined the National Guard. Then I, I left that. I recently returned to the Army Reserves. I, uh-huh. I wanted to do more federal type structure. Okay. Uh, with respect to the military. So I am now working as an aviator with the Army Reserve Unit out of Los Alamitos, close to the coast here. I'm thinking Long Beach, is, if for those of mm-hmm. you that are familiar with Southern California, it's a it's a big military airfield in the middle of, of a city and people don't realize it's there. <laughs> uh, but yep. when you look at it from the sky, you see how big it is. So I fly what they call the medevac version of the Blackhawk. I fly them out of there. So my mission with them is supporting the Army for medical evacuation, mm-hmm. personnel, people. So that is my current role. And just to clarify, so I, I understand. So the Army Reservist is part of the federal structure and National Guard is a part of a state structure. Is that right? Correct. So the National Guard can be absorbed and they were absorbed into the federal when needed, but their primary function is supporting so you'll see the fires here. My unit uh-huh. will not go support the fires. That's not our, our role. Uh, but California National Guard will support the fire. It would support the fire at a federal installation. And this is a way above my level. There's ways to get that stuff done. Uh-huh. Like I responded to Hurricane Katrina when, when that made landfall. Right. At that point, I was part of the federal system, if you will. And we were asked to go in, and we did go in. But there, now you get into the whole constitution of where does you know, the active duty apply Mm-hmm. and operate in the states. It gets very complicated, which is that it's way above my level. The lawyers handle all of that. <laughs> well, I know I, I do some federal disaster response, so I, that's complicated as well. So, um, but just in case people didn't really understand the difference to make sure that we clarified that. So as a reservist right now, how frequently are you on active duty? And then how frequently do you train? And what is your training like? I have not been activated. So there are times where the federal or where the reserve will be activated and uh-huh. that, that gets a military order and now you're considered active duty. Right. So my role is as a reservist. I am not active duty. I'm a reservist. I do go train, if you will, that you've heard that the one week in the month, two weeks a year. Mm-hmm. That is what I do. Okay. But the uniqueness of aviation is but you still need to meet what they call your army minimums. So you need to be able to fly X amount of hours per six month period. And that is usually done on our own time. So aside from the one week in the month, two weeks a year, I will still go during the week to do flying. That sort of chips away at the army minimum. Just out of my own curiosity, do you do any private flying or is all of your flying with the military right now? No, I actually do private flying. In the Army, everything I did was dual pilot. So there was always a second pilot next to me. Uh-huh. And that is for every Army aircraft. I'm assuming by design is because of the types of flying that we do in the Army. You fly very low, very fast. Right. Uh, so you, you want two people in an aircraft to be able to ensure the safe operation of the aircraft. So I never felt that I was truly alone, if you will. Uh-huh. So this was when I was active duty, 2005, in that range. I was in Texas, and I ended up getting private pilot lessons. Okay. Uh, And I've enjoyed it. So I still, to this day, fly. My last flight, I was flying over John Wayne Airport. I I rented a plane close to where I live, and we just go fly down towards San Diego. Then we go around Victorville, that area. So we just come around. I really enjoy just being up there watching down. That's kind of relaxing. So I I do that on my spare time when my family's okay with me doing that.
Jose, your job as a hospital administrator is full-time and it can be really stressful. So how do you balance the time and energy needed for military service and flying in addition to being a hospital administrator? Support for my family. I think that is a big one. In the hospital, the team understands and and, and they work well whether I am here or not. Uh, and that that's a testament to them in understanding what their role here is. The managers do an excellent job. Uh, the medical director completely supports when I need to go do my army thing. But as, as a general rule, it doesn't have a big impact on what I do until it has a big impact, meaning this hospital won't really feel it until there is an order for me to deploy, if that ever comes. With my wife and I, we, we discuss, and it's the idea is it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you have to deploy, because deployments are just a fact of life for reservists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you just plan on eventually I will have to deploy. Uh, the hope is that it's not anytime soon, but we are still part of the military. And if they ever need us, then you know, they, they go through their channels to activate us and then we get activated. It hasn't happened to me with that unit since I've been with them. Uh, but I know that at some point there will be some sort of an order that says, hey, you guys are activated. You need to go. How much advance notice do you have of activation? You will start hearing discussions way months in advance. Okay. It's not something that happens overnight. Uh, you, you may hear about it a year or so saying, hey, you know, we're being, we've been slotted. And, and so I know that the commanders have that information way in advance, but I know mm-hmm. that things will change. So they won't release it until they know for sure the preparation of, of family members. So all of that can be understood and, and the preparation of equipment personnel, because we are functioning as reservists prior to then. So that we have plenty of notice. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to the disaster response world where you don't really have much notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a little, little bit, but maybe 12 hours is the shortest time window. I think one way to maybe compare it is similar to disaster is when I was responding to the Hurricane Katrina relief, uh-huh. it took about a good week for the big military to really arrive. Uh, and that means because you got to activate people that may be on leave, you got to bring mm-hmm. them back and you got to make sure everything is working. So luckily for... For me, I was able to respond within a day. So we were we were down there the day after Hurricane Katrina made landfall. Wow. Uh, and that's because we were so close to New Orleans. Right. And so then for that first week, it was just us flying and, and assisting in rescue efforts. But it took a good week for the federal government to really mobilize and bring all the assets. Once they arrived, they made their presence known. Uh, it just it takes time, right, to get such a machine moving. Well, and that disaster in particular was just such a widespread area with so much devastation, but also covering such a large distance and number of states to to respond. And after that kind of an event, there's really just no infrastructure. So it just takes time to get infrastructure up working again. Well, Jose, we're nearing the end of our time together, and I was hoping that you could share your advice for anyone that may be considering a military role while working. I think it's extremely rewarding. I really enjoy what I can bring from my military experience and training into the workplace without it being taken as, hey, this is a better way to do it. I I bring it as a way to do it. Uh, In aviation, there is a big emphasis on communication. Mm -hmm. And, and I know that it's important everywhere, uh, but in aviation, it is, you have books on it and you have classes on it. And like I tell folks here, there is a reason why runways have certain colors and there's a reason why there's certain numbers and they talk in certain ways. Communication is important. So I try to bring that type of information into the hospital. What I will tell people is you will be surprised of how much you will overlap 
and what you're able to introduce from the military over to your, your civilian employer if you choose to go the route of guardsmen or reservists. If you choose to go the route of active duty, in essence, you have to be okay with leaving your current employer because you're now going to be joining a branch and they may be taking you to different locations mm-hmm. as, you, as you go through your time with them. But I find it rewarding. I like giving back. I like, I like helping. And I, I find in my role, there's a lot of help that goes along, both in, in, in assisting the younger soldiers as they're moving on in their career mm-hmm. and also bringing the information over to my current employer. I think it's great. I, I think the military offers lots of educational opportunities for people that, that join. Just got to take advantage of them. It's not something that is uh, overtly made public, mm-hmm. but, but it's there. You just have to go look for it. So what I tell people is if you join the military, make the best of it. Uh, you, you can definitely get lots of great training, great opportunities for school. You, you know, you can travel too if that's what you want to do. You know, you just got to be able to get into that right sort of unit that's going to do that. So I encourage people to do it. Well, that's wonderful. And I can tell in speaking with you that there is a lot of overlap between your military service and training and what you bring to the hospital and in supporting your people there. And it's just really heartening to hear that. So thank you again for your service. I very much appreciate that. It has been wonderful to hear from you. And I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you very much. It's been great. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. Don't forget to leave a review to let us know your thoughts and share the episode with friends. Follow VCA Animal Hospitals on social media at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more inspiring stories, visit our website at vcavoice.com. Thank you.